Give me a head with hair, long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, steaming, flax and waxen. Give me down to there, hair, shoulder length or longer. Here, baby, there, mama, everywhere, daddy, daddy, hair. Oh, yeah, daddy, show it down. I've got my hair. Let it fly in the breeze and get caught. Hair has always been a defining characteristic that separates us from other primates, and it remains an essential part of what makes us human in everything from art and fashion to cultural identity and communication. We are untangling the science and social history of hair on this week's Please Explain with Dr. Kurt Sten, author of Hair, Human History, published by Pegasus Books. Dr. Sten served for over 20 years as a professor of pathology and dermatology at the Yale University School of Medicine, in addition to working as the director of skin biology at Johnson & Johnson, and I'm very pleased that it has brought Dr. Sen to our show today Thank for you. this. Please explain. We also invite our listeners to join in the conversation. Uh, if you have any questions about hair, 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Okay, the most obvious question, what is hair? Hair is a filament that grows off the surface of, of all mammals. It is it is an organ? It, it, well, it's formed in an organ. Its root is an organ, and it has all the characteristics of an organ. It's stem cells. It's controlled by hormones. But the product itself is this filament, which is made of fossilized cells. So when it comes out of the organ, is it still alive or is it dead? Absolutely dead. All the cells, once the cells mature, they, they fossilize, become very rock-hard structures bound tightly to one another, and that's what gives the strength of the hair shaft. But if you, there's no vessels, so it won't bleed, and no nerves, so you won't feel it. So if you cut a hair, no one knows about it except for the hair in you. It's a secret between you, but the body doesn't know about it. Who were the first in the evolutionary chain to grow hair? Is it, you was know, it reptiles? We, we what, what, well, there is. There dinosaurs is a, have hair? There is a, a, a reptile down at the bottom of the, the, the evolutionary chain where where the birds and the mammals branched off, and the reptiles actually from this ur ur u r reptile, original reptile, and that guy probably had very straight filaments, which then evolved into a feather and a hair, but but it probably occurred fairly on early on in the evolution of mammals. And then mammals almost all have hair. All mammals have hair. That's the definition of a mammal. Do we know why that uh, is it? Is it an advance? It was probably for this, the small, the first mammals were very small animals, and so they had a lot of surface area which was exposed to the environment. By having hair, they were able to develop a coat which protected them from the environment. But more important, they were able to, to control their body temperature, which the reptiles in the environment were not. So these guys could hunt at the night when the reptiles were sleepy and couldn't. So they, there was a very a great evolutionary advantage. And with time, of course, mammals got bigger and, and hair grew with them. The first upright hominids were covered in body hair. Mike say they were furry. Uh, why did humans eventually lose most of their body hair? Uh, there are many theories that have been, been uh, um, proposed, but the, the most current one is that body hair prevented developing man from shedding heat. So the cheetah is a, can go, run very, very fast, 
but with his in the African plains and with his coat, he can't dissipate heat. So he can only run for a short period of time. And so you could see a time when the, when the prey becomes now the, the attacker, turn, turns around because the cheetah can't continue on. With man, as his brain evolved, the brain was very heat sensitive. So at 104 degrees, the brain is you get, you get, you get heat shock, and 107 degrees kills you. So you have to dissipate heat, and that occurs through the skin by dissipating heat. And without, but the hair would prevent that. So the hair is a very important insulation. Not, no heat, no temperature goes from the skin surface outside the hair to the environment. That, the hair is a very great barrier. So it's a great barrier for heat control. So the sheep in the, in, the, in the Australian outback may have a 100 degree surface temperature, but the skin is normal. And the solar bear may have ice stuck into his surface skin, surface, surface hair, and yet his temperature is normal. So that's a very, very important barrier for heat transfer. So you have to get rid of it in order to dissipate heat from the body. Why do women have less body hair than men? At least humans. <laughs> it, that's not true for other animals. Yeah, it's not true, and it's not clear why. Now, Darwin suggested that, that a, 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 a woman with less hair was more sexually attractive. Now, I, I don't think that's held up in, in looking at it critically, but uh, that's, that's not obvious, and that's a really good question. You say that hair is an important sensory device in humans. In Could way? I come back to that, that, the, women, the women hair business? Women do not have hair, but if women are given a lot of male hormone, then they will acquire much of much of male hair, but still they don't. They naturally women don't have as much hair. On the other hand, women are less likely to suffer from baldness. They, women have a form of um, hair loss, but it's different. Come the man, we don't understand the form women have. The the male type we un, we understand a lot more, but s- still we don't have our hands around the therapeutic ther- therapeutics for it. But but it, the two forms are different. Ma- women do have hair loss, but it's not when it occurs in women. It's very mm-hmm. devastating, but it's it's not the same kind. Yeah, well, uh, as somebody who has, uh, if a woman had the amount of hair I have right now, she'd be wearing a wig probably. She would be. <laughs> you say that hair is an important sensory device in humans. How does that work? Yeah, so it's, hair is, um, the hair, hairs are, are richly innervated with nerves. They have a lot of nerves. So if you brush, brush an individual hair, you feel it. So hair is very sensory. And, and a good example of the sensory hair is the whisker of the cat. Mm-hmm. And or a whisker of many mammals, and, and the cat can travel around in the dark. And once the once the whiskers are stimulated by an, by a rock or something in the environment, he, they know very well. But uh, but my beard doesn't help me. Um, I think your beard might might. Well, I don't I don't know how it helps you. It's a beautiful I mean, beard. It, I don't know how it helps. I still you. bump into the wall <laughs> in the dark. Okay, okay, I'll grant you that. But but. Uh, but the, the sensa- sensation, sensation of skin, and uh, are very complex. With it. there's experiments have been done with with humans actually showing that if you shave the arm and then then expose the both arms to insects, the arm that's been shaved does not realize the insects on, while the arm that is not shaved with the hairs senses the insects. So there is an important sensory aspect to hair, even in humans. A listener asks on our show page, how does a female prevent losing her hair? Are there any proven treatments or drugs? Should women use Rogaine? Yes, women can use Rogaine. Rogaine is effective in women as well. But we, I, we, Rogaine is, is not always is, effective. Is, is I, I not know. Not always effective, and not and doesn't have a major effect. We need, we need, we need, we need better understanding and better therapy. My guest is Kurt Sten, S T E N N. His book, Hair: A Human History, is published by Pegasus Books. 
And uh, we, this is WMIC, WMIC.org. I'm Leonard Lopate. Uh, hair is the subject of today's Please Explain segment. And we invite your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WMIC.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. What's the difference between hair and fur? Nothing. Ah. And that's one of the points of the book. What I wanted to point out is that, oh, there's several points of the book. One, I wanted to write a book which is easy to read, a lot of fun about a subject which many people don't know too much about, although they, they face it every day. And, and, and every, we talk about good hair days. So <laughs> hair is very important to very, us. Very important. And then another, another, another thing I wanted to point out in the book is that hair has played an important role in much of, our, much of human life in many different ways, in, in fur, in, in wool, in forensics, in art, in in food, I mean, it, hair is is everywhere. You find it in musical instruments. Hair is in many many aspects, many aspects. But the point is that the hair looks different from animal to animal, to sight from sight. But hair is the same thing. It differs in quantitatively. So that your hair on your eyebrow looks one way, hair on your top of your scalp another way, hair on your underarm another way. It may differ in color and curl and length and thickness. So hair is different, but they're all the, all the same. And that was a point I wanted to make because I think as I was writing the book, pe- people said, what, what's, what's there to hair? I mean, hair is on your head. But it's more than that. It's the whole mam- mammal, mammal kingdom. If some men will have red beards and dark hair or blonde hair. Uh, now, is red hair different than black hair, brown hair, or blonde it's, hair? It's said to be very dangerous. <laughs> Red-haired people are said to be dangerous, sexually more advanced or sexually less advanced, have a, have a hard temper. There's been a recent book written on, on red hair, and the, and the challenges people with red hair have. No, um, red hair, red hair the, the expression, so hair pigmentation comes from little cells which reduce pigmented balls that are put into the hair shaft, and so the hair looks, but if you have a red hair gene, it may be put in some hairs and not in other hairs. So that, that's not a, not a surprise. And if you grow up in Britain, you're called a ginger and you might be discriminated against. That was the point I was trying to make, yes, with red hair. Uh, when did humans begin styling their hair? Is there an evolutionary advantage or cultural significance to doing things like braiding? It's, that's a big, big question. Um, because hair styling it comes back to the basic question, what is, how is man using hair? And man uses hair to send very important messages. And so that must have occurred very, very early on as man was communicating with man. And the messages are messages of power, of civilization, of religiosity. So there, there are many different messages. And, 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 he, and the messages are also very sensitive to the receptor, whoever receives it. So you're sending a message of the, what your hair does, but I have to kind of understand where you're coming from to understand it correctly. For instance, if you go into a community in the Middle East with your hair, with no hair at all, shaved off, just purposely shaved off, you may insult people which, who are not used to that. Or if you went to the, the Egyptian court, in the old ancient Egyptian court, with hair on your head, I mean, he would, that was not appropriate. In the royal court, you have to shave your hair off if hair wasn't appropriate. So it depended where you were in the time and the, the place for those messages. But style plays an important role and style changes. I would assume that uh, hair just got longer and longer with the uh, the earliest humans, uh, but uh, do we know when? Uh, is it the Egyptians who started thinking about styling? Egyptians were cutting their hair, uh, but I, d- I don't know when hair started was first cut. But it's very early on; it was cut. 
there's also hair patterns that change in people. Is that just how the follicles sit in our skin? What do you mean by that? Well, some people's hair stands up, some people's hair... Oh, yeah, yeah. And, of course, we have thin hair, we have thicker hair. There are all sorts of uh, racial and uh, ethnic reasons why our hair is different. Yes. Um, so are these things that go... How far back do these things go? Uh, the differences between... Hairs between different humans, I mean, this this is this is... It's it's a, it's a slight difference, but but there's a lot of hairs are shared. I mean, that anyone in that for, this raises up the forensic question: When you find a hair, can you tell where it comes from? Mm-hmm. Because the hair may come from the same body. You may find a curled hair in a guy who has straight scalp hair, but the curled hair comes from his body someplace. So to say that hair comes from him or from the person who's been killed or the, for the killer it would be very very difficult to do. So hair hair does vary from individual, individual and amongst the human race. There's a whole there's a whole spectrum of hairs. Well, I was thinking about beards, for example. You see people with heavy beards. Mediterranean people tend to have heavy beards. Scandinavians and many Asians don't, but also people from tropical areas tend to have uh, be relatively beardless. Yes. Uh, does this is this determined genetically because of weather? Uh, it's determined genetically, but how? Because uh, uh, I was told that the reason that uh, some Asians didn't have facial hair is because uh, Asians were uh, stayed in the northern hemisphere during the last ice age and the hair would have frozen and that wouldn't have been something good so Darwin would have suggested it would be better not to have facial hair and the same would be applied to Scandinavians. But would, wouldn't, wouldn't it be to your advantage to have facial hair like the Eskimos to have facial well, hair? So why would Mediterraneans uh, where it's warmer have a lot of facial hair? It helps the helps the sweat I, I get off the skin. Cer- certainly, we certainly it's, it's it's reasonable to think we lost our hair in order to sweat. That's very very important. But why why we why the hair differs from beard? I mean, there a really interesting story occurred in the during the early 1800s when the Westerners were approaching the Japanese Chinese market, and 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 the traders, the Japanese Chinese traders, looked at the Westerners and said, "These are really pretty hairy people." Are they people mm-hmm. or are they animals? And so the, in the negotiation, there was some concern in the negotiation because hairy. And so the concept of human and hairiness is also an interesting concept. And weren't barbarians described as hairier by the Greeks? Yeah, but the word barbarian in this case does not refer to hair, even though mm-hmm. the Latin word barber refers beard. But barbarians was referred to refers to people who don't speak the same language. But it's true. The They the, said the, baba. The they, they sound like they were saying ba, 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 ba. S- the Oxford English Dictionary talks about this as the root, and that's what. But the but um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's take a call from Bob from Manhattan. Hi, Bob. You're on the air. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, are humans the only uh, animals that have hair? I uh, was looking in a microscope at some beetles that you know, they have a hard carapace, but when you look with a microscope close, they're, uh, they, uh, many of them, at least the ones I looked at, were had, were covered with what I can only describe as hairs. That's a brilliant, Bob. That's a brilliant question. Thanks very much. Hair is very common in nature all over. Plants have hair, and 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 some bacteria have hair. I mean, hair hair is a little a filament that sticks out to the surface. But what's different about the mammalian hair is it's multicellular. It's made of lots of cells. These other hairs that you're describing, the insect hair and the plant hair, is made of a projection from one cell, one one thread sticking out. But the but the the function of the hair is very similar. The function of the hair in the plant and the and the insect is is protective, 
and also is sensory, both those two things, and, and that's what our hairs are doing. But the big difference is that one is multicellular and one is not. Thank you. Good question. Craig from Brooklyn. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I, I thought you were getting ready to answer what I was calling about a little while earlier when you were getting into the crime scene investigation. But, <laughs> the point, but I'm, I'm just curious, why is, why is the hair of Africans and people descended of African descent uh, curly and so much different than Caucasian hair? And we can go further. Why uh, do we see thicker uh, hair in Asians? thicker straight hair in Asians, for example? These, okay, are very, th- these are very difficult questions. One one idea with regard to the African hair, African hair, which is tightly curled, is that one hair covers much more skin than a straight hair. One curled hair covers much more skin than a straight hair would. And, and, and hair serves as a protection from sun, and so that would be an explanation for the, the tightly curled hair. So it's an evolutionary advantage to have, have tightly curled hair to cover the sun beating down on, on one's head as one travels in the savannas of Africa. My guest on today's Please Explain segment is Dr. Kurt Sten, who is the author of a book called Hair, A Human History. It's published by Pegasus Books. He served for over 20 years as a professor of pathology and dermatology at the Yale University School of Medicine. Does hair come under the, uh, the general uh, category of dermatology? Yes, uh, hair is a is a, is an appendage of the skin, and dermatology is study of skin. We'll take a little break, and when we come back, we'll be taking more of your calls. Our number here is two one two four three three nine six nine two. You can write to us on our show page at wmyc dot org slash lopate, or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. <laughs> We are back with Dr. Kurt Sten, his book, Hair, A Human History, published by Pegasus. And we're talking about hair on today's Please Explain segment. Lots of people have been writing in to our show page. Um, one woman asked, why do some women lose their hair after pregnancy? That's alopecia areata? No. No, this is, this, is a, this is a normal event that occurs after pregnancy in many women. Uh, the, during pregnancy, the, the hormone levels change so the baby can develop properly. But in so changing the hormone levels, the hair follicle stays in its growth phase. Now, hair follicle growth occurs in phases. There's a phase of growth and a phase of resting and a phase of shedding. So during pregnancy, the hair grows for a longer period of time. And then... After the baby's delivered, the hair follicle goes in a resting phase, and three months after the resting phase, roughly three months after the resting phase, the hair sheds. Hmm. But it's not alopecia. Alopecia areata is an immune disease, and it's very different. But I, I knew a woman who s- developed uh, alopecia after her second pregnancy, and th- that was uh, the way it was for the rest of her life. That's possible, but that's not, that's uh, not typical. She always associated the two. It's possible that, this, in fast fact, uh, physicians have noticed that a stress event may precipitate alopecia areata, but that's not typical for pregnancy. Most women would not expect that. So stress often leads to the loss of hair. 
stress will affect the growth of hair, yes. Sarah from Manhattan says that she went through chemo and her hair grew back differently and wonders why. Um, uh, we don't understand that exactly, but that has been observed by many patients. Um, the hair follicle itself could be altered by the chemo, chemo agents so that the, that the hair follicle's shape may change a bit, and so the hair shaft, which is molded within the root of the hair follicle, within the root of the hair, may come out differently, both in color and in, in shape. And some, some patients have said that while their hair is gray, after chemotherapy, their hair comes back colored, as, it, as if it's stimulating the colored cells to wake up. And then Susan on Twitter says, uh, following Sarah, my father's fine straight hair became coarse and kinky after chemotherapy in his 80s. This is consistent with that interpretation, right? The hair, the hair follicle changes a bit with the therapy. I mean, the chemotherapy kills its dividing cells. It's meant to kill them. In fact, there are three actively dividing tissues in the body, the hair follicle, the gut, and the bone marrow. And that's what the patient with chemotherapy suffers from those three, becoming bald, having GI gastrointestinal problems, and become anemic. Mm. And so, but the hair follicle is a major one people see. A number of people have written in to ask why our hair color changes as we age. Uh, this is it's a wonderful question as well. The there there uh, the and some idea, much younger than others. Yes, the one of the current ideas and people have studied is that the the cell that gives rise to the pigment cell has has died, so that there are no more pigment cells being generated. But there it appears to be a very strong genetic component because some families do not get bald until very late. 80s, 90s, or not get bald, not not get not lose their hair at all, not color their hair at all. While other families uh, have have graying in their teens or early 20s. So there's a genetic component, and these things are being sorted out now that we have the the gene studies. In my case, my hair was dark until one day, and then suddenly it stopped being dark, and I didn't understand uh, why such an almost instantaneous change. Uh, I guess uh, <laughs> those cells just died all at once. That, that, in your, your case, that's also what happened. <laughs> we, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name, but is it Chadnip yes. from Bayside? Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, my question is, why do we have cowlicks? And uh, I don't know any science behind this, but is it basically like where the, the hairs start growing on a fetus? Oh, that's inside a great question. That's and a great question. Out from that? That's a great question. Bravo for you to think of that. Um, th th it, it raises the whole question of patterning of hair. So I'd like to step back because hair occurs in very discrete patterns. Um, consider your eyebrow as one kind of hair, and above your eyebrow on your forehead, there are other kinds of hair, very, very fine hairs. But the hair is very discreetly different. The eyebrows are shaped a certain way. The scalp of the hair is in a certain way. The hair on your chest, your underarm, very, very, very characteristic, characteristic ways. Now, the, the, on the head, the cowlick is a twirling of, of hair. The, the hairs lie almost flat and form a twirl, either clockwise or counterclockwise. And it's been found by people who look at it that the, the brain is having some influence on it. For people who are right-handed have clockwise rotation. Mm -hmm. People who have left-handed, uh, the, the data aren't as clear-cut, but suggest it's a left-hand rotation. Now, it's, it's really interesting because, because handedness and hairness me implies that the brain or the neural tissue is affecting how 
how hair grows. And so this, this we don't exactly understand how that, well, that's, this, is a, this is a clinical observation. We don't understand mechanistically how it occurs, but it's certainly there. And it turns out that when the, there are multiple whorls on the, multiple cutlicks on the head, there's often malformations of the brain. The children who have problems with, problems with um, mentation and other abnormalities, birth abnormalities, may, may have abnormalities seen in the hair. So, so there's a very important communication which you've picked up, and it's, it's a, good for you. It's very, it's very important. Very. Thank you for your that, call. Does that imply that, there, that, that children that do have two cowlicks, like my daughter has two in the back of her head, I know a boy across the street who has one in the back, but also one where a widow's peak would be in the front. Does yeah. that imply... No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I'm talking about multiple. I'm talking about multiple. And that the, the oh, studies okay. the study suggested multiple. No, two is two is uh, is is found very frequently. Thanks for your call, Cindy from Port Washington. You're on the air. Yeah. Hi. I have two questions. One is what is the difference between hair that keeps on growing, unless you cut it, and hair that kind of just stops, like the hair on our arms. And the second is, I guess, somewhat related, which is about shaving and how women often tell each other if you keep on shaving your legs, the hair itself actually changes and becomes thicker. Is that actually true? Okay. First question. First question relates to the hair cycle. That 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 in certain parts of the body, the growth. So the hair has three cycles: the growing, resting, and shedding. And on the scalp, the growing is very long, from two to six years, so the hair shaft can be very long. On the contrast... It can go longer than that. Don't some people have hair that grows all the way down to their knees? It can grow longer. If you have the proper genes, you can do that. But the the hair on the eyebrow will grow only for months, weeks to months, so it's very short. So the hair length is determined by by how long the hair grows. So, so you you would so I think the two hairs you're talking about are hairs body hairs would grow much shorter than scalp hair. Scalp hair is a very long hair. In fact, in biology there are too many examples of that the horse's mane may be another example. But you're talking about the cutting. The second question is about the cutting, and that's a that's a really interesting question. And it's, there's a, there's a there's a misconception about that because usually girls start cutting their hair when their legs get hairy. So it's not a controlled experiment because what happens is they shave, and the hair normally comes in with time thicker. And so you'd expect the hair to be thicker if they didn't shave. So yeah, there's, there's no... That's e- always what I thought, too. It seems like a myth that people um, passed on. It didn't make sense to me. It, it is a myth. It is a myth. Where it's been looked at carefully, it's, that's not been confirmed. But it's usually what happens is just that. It's a teenage girl or a young girl who starts cutting, but she doesn't let the other leg... She doesn't cut... She doesn't cut she doesn't cut one leg. She cuts both legs. So she can't measure that and come to a real conclusion. But where it has been done carefully, there isn't, there, it does not affect the thing. Now, the, now, if you cut hair, the, the, the hair in you are the only people who know it's been cut. But if you damage the skin, if you traumatize the skin, you pull the hair, or you, you rough up the skin, then the hair follicle says, hey, something's bothered me, and then the hair follicle will grow another hair shaft. But that hair shaft is not necessarily thicker, but it will grow another one. So, but, so trauma will, will stimulate a new hair Following shaft. up on what Cindy says, men also believe that if they shave, their beard comes in tougher and tougher. That's also not true? No, that's not true. That, that's, they're shaving because they have their beard is coming in. That's why they're shaving. When you were the director of skin biology at Johnson & Johnson, you helped found a biotech startup on hair follicle regeneration. Were there specific kinds of hair loss that you were looking to address? Uh, we were we were looking to regenerate a hair follicle uh, in general, and and you take you take stem cells, which are cells that have the ability to divide, and have the ability to form a hair follicle, uh, 
you grow those in culture and put them back into a manimal and grow hair. And that was we, we were we were trying to perfect that. Yes, it didn't you weren't able to pull it off. We <laughs> we we were Forgive able to pull it off, but not mm-hmm. as great, not good enough to make a marketing product out of it. But it's something that will be done. Well, have there been major treat uh, advantages in treating hair loss within recent years? Implants. Uh, yes, yeah, the one 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 aspect of hair hair regeneration has been through implants and what's done there is it's been recognized that in males who go bald the hair on the around the outside of the head never is lost but the hair on the top is and as Donald uh, Trump has shown us the, right some, yes absolutely and by the Rudy over. Giuliani before he changed and Julius Caesar before that uh-huh. so what is done today is hair is transplanted from the side to the top of the scalp, and the hair follicles that are transplanted do not realize they're in new soil. It's like a petunia and onion patch. They stay there, and they'll continue to grow like they did on the side of the head. So, in fact, that's a therapy. That is therapy because it covers the bald spot. But it's not. The trouble is that you run out of hairs to put in that area, and that's where re- re- follicle regeneration. What we try to do is um, is is what's what's going. To, it's going to be done in the future, but we just don't have all the answers yet, but the field is is rapidly progressing. Amy from Manhattan. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Go uh, ahead. I have two questions. Um, one question, one, Amy. I'm sorry? One question. We only have a limited amount of time. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, well, um, if uh, the, is the length of time that, that the hair grows, um, is, is, that, is that genetic and uh, has it ever, ever changed? That that is that's determined by a genetic signal. Uh, what happens is the hair starts growing, and then after a given given t- period of time, it stops growing. And that we that we believe is we, we're calling it genetic. Yes, genetic, and um, yes, so it's controlled. It's, I think well programmed. A- Amy's other question was going to be why do men have beards but not women? Although some women do have yeah, well, facial hair. Well, it, it, there there's a hormonal influence there. I mean, we, if women if women have a high androgen level, male hormone circling their blood, they too will get a sort of a beard. Yes. Rob from White Plains, hi, you're on the air. Hi, uh, I originally had two questions, but uh, I guess I'll stick with one. Go ahead, give us the best uh, one. Sure, so I was wondering, historically, how come and when was it determined that women's hair, you know, would, women would wear their hair longer as, and men would wear their hair shorter? Oh, that's wonderful, yeah. That, 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 I, I've thought a lot about that question, I've been asked a lot about that question, and I don't have an answer for it, but it's true. What you say is, in all societies, all cultures of the world, women have long hair. Now, it's not not that men have not had long hair through history, but it's it, but women have consistently have long hair in history. And so, long hair. Why long hair? I mean, what, one I, I, and these are this is a hand waving argument. I don't know the real answer, but certainly, long hair sends the message of health. Health and sexuality. That's an important message to send. So, long hair means you can't grow hair. Long hair, unless you're very healthy, you're eating well, you're 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 exercising, balanced, all the things. You're sleeping well, all those things. So unless you're healthy, you're not going to have good hair. So long hair does send that signal of, and and long hair often often is 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 most societies, uh, many many societies, it's it's seen in very young girls who are premarital. It's kind of a virginal hair style, and then after a woman. Um, has a family grows up, the hair is usually cut. That's a, a tradition. But but you're right. You're right, and I don't have a really good answer. So I'm sorry. You write about the incredible tensile strength of hair. 
uh, it's really strong. But if it's strong, how does it become damaged just from and and wind up with split ends and things like that? Oh. So, so hair is uh, is a composite structure. So physicists would talk about it. composite structures like reinforced concrete, where there's there's a a, a a a pole surrounded by glue, and the pole in hair is, is a keratin. So it's a long long pole, and then the the keratin is, is the surrounding cement is is called keratin associated proteins. That's all tied together very tight. It makes a very very strong structure. So strong that that structure one hair will carry a, a a quarter of a pound. One hair, a quarter of a pound. So in the, the hair hang act, which occurs in circuses where women are pulled up by their hair, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's easy. It's a to-do. I mean, the hair is obviously can do it. You take, you take all the hair of the woman's head, and I mean, you can pick up pull an elephant with that kind of hair. It's a, it's a, hu- it's a huge, very, very strong. And would uh, a conditioner weaken the hair? The, the, pro- the, what you, the, 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 the columns in the hair shaft... Um, become loose when the girdle which surrounds the hair shaft is broken. And that's called a cuticle. And the, it's a, there's a girdle that surrounds the hair shaft which holds all these, these fibers intact. So when the, 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 the girdle is, is broken through a lot of combing, a lot of, lot of shampooing or dyeing or hair whatever. Dryer. Or whatever, a hair dryer. When that, that, that girdle is broken, then the individual fibers come loose and that's the frayed ends you see. Uh, Dr. Kurt Sten. He uh, was, uh, for over 20 years, a professor of pathology and dermatology at the Yale University School of Medicine, also worked as the director of skin biology at Johnson & Johnson. His book, Hair, A Human History, published by Pegasus. Thank you so much for being with us on today's Please Explain. Thank you.